This is Center Stage, putting lawyers in the spotlight by highlighting attorneys and other industry experts to help take your law firm to the next level. Hey everyone, and welcome to Center Stage. I'm your host, John Henson. And this week, we're going to be talking about keeping your employees engaged. Um, You know, this year, especially, you know, we've seen all kinds of stories in the news about how people all over the country are quitting their jobs, they're looking for something else, whether they think they're just unhappy, they think they're not getting paid enough, they think it's just a bad work environment, whatever the reason is. Um, but one of the one, actually one of the most common things that I've been kind of hearing through all of this is that, uh, it's, it goes something like people don't leave bad jobs. They leave bad managers. And this week we're going to kind of go down that path a little bit. And we're going to kind of talk about some of the things that you can do to be a better leader for the employees in your firm, to do things that, you know, maybe you're making a better work environment, a more engaged work environment and stuff like that. And so to help me do that, I am joined by a coach and consultant, Molly McGrath from Hiring and Empowering Solutions. Molly, thank you so much for joining us this week. Oh, John, thank you for having me. I'm honored. I'm really excited. This is going to be fun and I'm excited with the value that we're going to leave for your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, before we jump in, you know, who is Molly McGrath and what, uh, what all does she bring to the table here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, So I've been serving in the legal space since 2008. We started hiring and empowering solutions. And if you all remember 2008, those were (laughs) some tough times as well. And um, by and large, our organization has two sides of it. As you said, consulting. Um, We're really, really passionate about getting the employee and the entrepreneur, i.e. lawyers is who we serve. Um, 100%. We only work with small solo law firms, really passionate about being close to the heartbeat of the business. So um, we can make decisions, we can make um, take action, and there's no bottlenecks, which has been my experience with um, big firms. So I'm passionate about the small, medium, solo firms and um, getting the employee and the entrepreneur on the same playing field. So one side of our practice, we have our Team Empowerment Academy in addition to our 66-day law firm turnaround. The other side of it is hiring, where we do flat fee retained search and staffing, um, which if you could imagine right now is absolute insanity. Um, It's an employee's market. And um, we staff anywhere from receptionist to an exit strategy for an associate attorney to take over the firm. Wow. Awesome. So let's jump in here. And and one of the first questions I have for you, I I really like, you know, kind of the first direction that we're going here, because one of our one of our core values here that we have internally at Spotlight Branding is take action, you know, and it's all about how, you know, we find, you know, we work towards finding solutions. We're not making excuses and stuff like that. And, you know, look, I'm not going to say that we accomplish that goal 100% of the time, but it's definitely a focus of emphasis for us. But that's, I think, one of the biggest issues that a lot of business owners and a lot of law firm owners face with their employees is, is just dealing with people who are just making a bunch of excuses all the time for why something doesn't work or why they can't do something or whatever. So what are some things that lawyers who are owning their own firm, what can they do to help try to reduce and eliminate those excuses that their employees are making all the time? 
Mm, you know, I love your core value of take action. And if anything, I really want the attorneys to listen up in regards to and consider adopting that core value. Our first of our core values is brutal honesty. Mm. And um, so for as far as employees that come up with excuses and reasons and not getting them take action, I actually wrote a book called Entrepreneurs in an Entrepreneurs World, How to Get Your Employees to Step Up and Lead. And that book kicks off with, so go the coach, so go the coachee. So if you have employees that are not taking action or constantly having excuses, you have to start with looking at yourself as a leader. Are you building a culture that is built on taking action, follow through, not ditching meetings, not um, being a bottleneck within the process? Because in my experience, the employees that I interview and they I say to them, well, tell me why you're looking for a new job. What's up? And they'll say, well, I need, they're always universally. The answer is, well, I'm looking for more opportunity. And when I really peel away the layers of the onion around that, it really comes down to that they're working in a law firm where the attorney doesn't make decisions. They are indecisive. They're not a firm that takes action. And because attorneys by and large are, um, they are very much trained skeptics. They all know that that's what they tell me. Um, They're highly, highly analytical, top intellect in any profession whatsoever. They are trained to look for issues, issue spotting constantly. So that is a blessing and a curse because a lot of times it deters them from making decisions. So step one, I would say is take a look at you. Are you the role model where you as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, whether you're the professional law firm, administrator, COO, CEO, whatever seat you list, you sit in, are you making decisions? Are you taking action? And have you built a culture that communicates that we do take action? We follow through and have you empowered your employees to not only have the responsibility to do whatever their job duty is, and if you're facing that they're not moving fast enough, they're not making decisions or delegating back up, whatever it is, look really truly if you've given them not only the responsibility, but also the permission and the authority to move files, to move things forward, and have you empowered them to make decisions? Because one of our second core values is you will never, ever get fired for making the wrong decision, but you will absolutely get fired by making no decision. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, side note, are you familiar with the Colby assessment? Oh, I live and breathe by the Colby. That's why ah, I said fact yes. finder. Yeah. So we did that. We did that over here at our office. And like, I'm not, obviously I'm not the business owner, but you know, we all took it. Um, I ended up as a high fact finder, you know? And so for those not familiar, there's four different sort of, um, I guess, I guess scores that you get um, with your overall assessment. And the first one is either fact finder or quick start. And so if you're a high fact finder, you're a little bit more deliberate. You kind of wait, you look, you try to get as many answers as you can. I feel like most lawyers probably tend to fall on that side of things. Yes. And so one of the uh, critiques and, and, you know, what might be seen as some of a negative and you kind of hit on it a little bit is that you take a lot more time to make decisions and the decision-making process seems to be a little bit more slowed down versus a quick start who they just tend to jump right into things and they just go. Any chaos constantly. 
Yeah. And so, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're familiar with the Colby assessment and, and, you know, kind of familiar with that terminology. And so that just hit me as like, that's, that's probably a big thing there. And so, you know, if, if you're out there and you're familiar with that Colby, or if you're one of those more deliberate decision makers, that's one of the things you really have to keep in mind is people have got to keep moving forward. And so you can't just always hang back and try to think through every possible thing. You got to make those decisions and, and keep pushing forward. So, on the other side of that, though, you know, it's obviously it's looking inward, like you said, and, and figuring out what you can do. But what can a business owner do to empower their employees, you know, in, in almost any aspect, whether it's, you know, them making decisions on their own or, you know, trying to change a perspective or anything like that? What can a business owner do on their end to empower their employees? Yeah, great question. And actually, you had a phenomenal lead in that with the Colby. You know, I would say number one is invest. I think it's $49.99. You want to take the Colby A as an Apple assessment. And as John alluded to, it takes 25 minutes to um, figure it out. And honestly, for any of your guests, I would be more than happy to facilitate a free um, consultation to go through those assessments with them because I'm, I've been using it for 28 years now. It's the cheapest, easiest, quickest, most efficient way. So the way to empower your employees is really understand their Colby, their DNA, how they're wired, how they like to give and receive information and everybody else on your team that cuts down all the, that that's a game changer right there. And I would say is first and foremost is second to empower them to make decisions. Now you own a law firm, right? When I hire employees, they're equally paralyzed because attorneys, what's been pounded in your head, your whole life, malpractice, 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 and attorney or employees coming into a law firm, they're riddled with fear to make decisions because they're afraid it's a law firm. What if I really screw up? There could be massive implications to this. So you have to remember and just shift it a little bit that they're not giving legal advice. They're not, unless they're in an associate attorney position and there's a fine line with paralegals and you, that's very different of onboarding and training, but to empower your employees, when you set up your ground rules, when you have your core values and you have your Colby, you have safety nets in place. What will help you so much is having a weekly team meeting where everybody's there, ran by an agenda where you can um, really facilitate it. I don't even call it team meetings. I call it a board of directors meeting. It changes the tonality of it. People don't show up sloppy and unprepared. Everybody's really clear of how they show up and then doing a daily huddle. So you can be really clear clear on, okay, what were your top three from yesterday? Here's the decisions I made. Here's what I did. I called back Mrs. Smith, what have you. And then in, in real time, you can course correct. So if somebody did make a mistake, they shouldn't have called the client first. They should have called the financial advisor or whatever it is. It's okay. You can turn it around in 24 hours. And again, you treat that team huddle like a locker room huddle before you're going on the playing field. And I'm going to get tons of pushback from your attorneys. I can't tell you how often when people come to me, they're like, my team's a disaster, cash flows in the toilet, you know, nobody's doing their job, you know, we, we're not moving files, whatever is my number one question is, are you having weekly team meetings that are non-negotiable, unwavering, same place, same time, every single week? They're like, we, we're too busy for that. 
Well, you're not too busy to have 14 separate come to Jesus meetings with everyone on your team or to have communication ping pong and send 72 emails back and forth when you know you have your version of what the next step is. That person has it's a disaster. So you do have the time. You're just choosing not to really facilitate it and be very intentional with it. So that's a great way to empower your employees because every day you have a very quick check-in. And again, on the employee side, I'm constantly pounding into them. You have to show up prepared. You have to show up professional. You have to show up a proposed solutions versus constant problem. Otherwise your attorney is going to ditch a meeting because they don't want to show up where everyone's looking at them to facilitate it. In fact, the attorney shouldn't facilitate it. They should just show up as the mentor, the coach, the leader to give direction. And that's it. But people should not be delegating back up. Otherwise, you're going to lose your attorney's interest. This should be a meeting that everybody's excited about because they get direction and feedback. And honestly, you have to remember, you're hiring employee, you're hiring humans. Humans need time, attention, and feedback, and they will never leave you, and they will always thrive and soar when they get that. And that's the most missing piece in most law firms, because attorneys have a story in their head. Um, I read a quote by Warren Buffett. Um, I was on another podcast, and I love this. The interviewer said, I love the quote by Warren Buffett, where he says, busy is the new stupid. And it's true. How many attorneys always say they're busy? It's a cop-out. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and you know, to your point, you know, the meetings, I think it, it does a good job of also just making sure that everyone's on the same page and there's communication, especially maybe if you, uh, you know, ha- the way you have your firm set up, you have different departments or whatever, and maybe some people don't communicate with others as often, making sure you're getting in those huddles and, and just making sure that everyone knows where everyone's at. And, and there's a little bit of accountability there and, and just, a good way to just kind of slowly build up a good team atmosphere. Um, the other part of that, though, that I that I like that you talk about is is you know we don't want we don't just want our employees to just kind of stagnate. You know we want to try to help them grow. And you know what can a business owner do? You know to help their employees kind of grow along and, and potentially you know potentially become leaders in the office one day. Mm. I, you know, it's so simple, but it's really hard for attorneys to wrap their brains around. It starts with what I just said, like the time and attention. If you give them that, they will not leave you and they actually will always grow. I would say, you know, that weekly stakeholders meeting, that board of directors, a daily huddle that is very, very quick, um, no more than 30 minutes. People can be driving into the office, what have you. And then quarterly, Now, here's the deal. Everybody hates an employee review because you think your head's on the chopping block as the employee and the attorney's like, oh, great. Now they're going to be asking me for a raise. Do I give them a raise? Did they earn the raise? It's just, it's a quagmire. It's a vicious cycle and everybody's anxious about it and not happy about it. I really transform that into an employee growth plan. If you have your employees, and again, I'd be happy to share my process if anyone emails me at the end, put it on your calendar from the day they get hired quarterly that you're doing employee employee growth plans. And my process is you have the employee do a self-evaluation and then they, uh, there's a whole process of what they believe their top three goals are, what they brought to the firm um, this year, where or this quarter, where they're at, where they want to be a quarter from now, what ideas, they're, they're all this different 
um, as excavating questions that you ask from them, because you don't know you're in the conference room all the time. The greatest employee in your practice is the person at the front line, your client service coordinator. They're the ones that are doing inbound and outbound calls. So they see so much stuff that people don't see. And so often that's the position that gets the least amount of attention. And they're, they're a sitting gold mine. They're the ones with your marketing messages because they're hearing the voice of the customer. I could go on for hour about that position alone, but then you come together. You've done, they've done a self-valuation, you've done an evaluation, and then you come together and now it's a coaching session where you're really talking about, wow, you really want to step up and move into the marketing director? I had no idea. That's fantastic. And they're like just rattling off all the stuff they're seeing at the front of the house, at the front desk and what have you, and your mind's blown. So when you, you have these hardwired, your employees know about it, and then there's also an incentive-based compensation plan that is team focused. When And when you do your quarterly planning and strategic retreats and you come out with your top four power projects and everybody's really clear, we're going to review these every week in our weekly stakeholders meeting, our board of directors meeting, and then that's needle moving work. We're just chipping away at it every single week. And then if we reach it, we all have a team centric goal. And that works absolutely beautifully. And my favorite thing is when I email paralegals, legal assistants, attorneys. And my subject line for recruiting is, are you happy and being treated well? Question mark. And I love it when people reply to that and they won't even talk to me as a recruiter. So they're like, no way, Jose, I love my firm. And I go and I look at the website and I'll go as far as send the managing attorney and be like, whatever you are doing, 10 exit, because your employees won't even talk to me. They will never leave your firm. Yeah, no, that's great. And um, I mean, like I, your your process sounds very similar to what we do here in our office. We run, uh, it's basically a, a, I don't know, a framework, I guess, called EOS. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, yes, but, yes, I love yeah. it. And so it's, it's very similar to kind of what you what you talked about. And so instead of having those traditional like performance reviews, it's it's called a quarterly conversation. Yep. And, you know, to that point, you know, the, the manager and the employee, you know, they each have their own separate, evaluation and then they come together in a meeting and they talk about it and it's a conversation. And so it's that there's not that stigma of, you know, calling it a review and anyone being nervous going into it. It's just going to be a conversation. You know, you're covering, you know, if you get it, you want it and you have the capacity to do your job and, and, you know, what you did last quarter, what you're hoping to do this quarter. And so all those things do do a really good job. And another point that you were making, um, I think also just in solo and small firms or in a small business like ours, I think having those, you know, handful of employees, if, if you, if you're doing it like this and you're, and you're engaging with your employees and, and making sure that those commu- that communications open, it really allows people to feel like they have a fingerprint on the direction that the business is going. And it really helps them feel like that they're doing more than just showing up from nine to five and slapping on a keyboard all day. They feel like they have some power and some influence on helping the business grow. Maybe they, maybe the goal is to be the biggest law firm in your County. And, you know, instead of someone who's working at a giant corporation sitting in a cubicle all day, they're actually, they feel like they can come into the office and they're actually working towards something. 
Absolutely. People want to be part of something. And if COVID hasn't taught us anything, and it actually existed before that, but it's just in stereo right now of people realizing when they got forced to go work from home or what have you, or have a hybrid model, things of that nature. We've seen all the studies of how people are working so much harder than they ever did in a cubicle or an office environment, what have you. But so often they, that's why my business model is based on being connected to the heartbeat of the business. Employees want that. And it's so simple when you adopt the EOS model, you have rocks meeting, you have all of it. I mean, it costs you nothing to do that and to implement that. It's time and connection and people will not leave you. And during COVID, when people went back home or they're hybrid and now they're going back into the office or whatever it is, who didn't on this planet take stock of their life and what's important? Who didn't start to look at where they're investing their time and what have you? If not, that shined a big flashlight on that. And every single person started with where do they spend the most time? Where do they spend their most waking hours? At their job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So kind of going now towards the back end of this conversation, kind of towards more of a more unfortunate circumstance, you know, you have these employees who are unhappy, you're doing everything you can to make them feel empowered, to encourage them to take action rather than to make excuses. But in the end, whether you have to fire them or they decide, you know, that they're just not going to change, how do you go about letting someone go? Mm. Attorneys are notoriously horrible. You know, it's, it's fascinating to me. I'll just say this comment real quick. So often when I get phone call, I probably had three of them this week. Like, uh, I'm like, we just had this conversation two weeks ago. They're still there. You didn't fire them. And they're like, well, you know, I'm like, I'm, you're litigate in a courtroom and you can't fire an employee. It's amazing. But it's because they do, you know, care about people yeah. and especially the people they employ. But how you do it is you do it fast and you don't over justify it and you don't get deep into the story. Because if you have these quarterly employee reviews, it will never come as a shock to someone. So that actually helps you tremendously when it comes time to make the decision of when you need to let someone go. You know, and that there's something that happens, John, it's amazing. You're getting ready. You finally muster up the courage. You're getting ready to let go of the employee. And what does the employee do every single time? They show up and perform like, oh, maybe I was crazy. I was just getting ready to fire. Now she just closed a client. Dang it. I can't fire her now, you know, but that has no lasting power at all. So you trick yourself. I say, do it quick and, and just sit down and have a conversation and you can anchor to the stuff in the employee reviews. And honestly, if you don't have that implemented right now, you don't over justify it. You just let them know you do whatever in my experience. Depending on the employee, you don't turn it into a coaching conversation and try to change them because you have probably already tried to do that numerous times when you had your sit down meetings. So as much as you could keep it very emotionally on a 
charge, even if it's it ha- the reason is a lot of personal stuff. Don't go into because you're always late because you don't dress professionally. No, don't go into that. Just keep it very simple. It should be a five minute conversation. Get the keys, have them sign the letter, do whatever you need to do. If there's a severance package, what have you, um, you know, some of them, depending on the human, it might be, you know, it's not working out where you don't have enough, whatever it is, they might stay if they're, you, you, it's person by person, you know, what have you, but it's never a surprise to them. If you have employee reviews, if you have weekly meetings and going back to your previous account um, conversation where you said, yeah, the daily huddles bring a little bit of accountability. No, brings a lot of accountability. In fact, that's the whole reason for that is people know they need to show up at nine o'clock tomorrow and report. And so when you hear that Susie constantly has excuses tries to hijack the meeting, what have you, and she does it five days in a row, it's time to let her go. Make it simple, make it fast, and don't go into the weeds of over-justification and the details. Yeah. So the last question I have for you uh, before we wrap up here, and I think I know your answer on this already. One of the the, uh, common phrases that I heard um, in one of my past roles as as HR person here um, was slow to hire, quick to fire. How do you feel about that statement? I agree. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We, we hold on to people way longer than we should have. And, you know, usually when you have a solid hiring process, and so I would say, if you find yourself in that place where you feel like, oh, here we go again, I don't want to hire someone because I don't want to go back into the hiring process. If you find yourself with a revolving door, which a lot of firms tell me, um, either them quitting or you firing them, take a moment and pause and go back and look at your hiring process because you really could eliminate that. But I'm in full, full agreement of that. Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone's interested, we had an episode about this uh, a few weeks ago with Allison Williams talking about oh, yeah. our, our hiring process. And so a lot of tips and tricks that you can use to make that a lot more efficient. And so definitely encourage you to go check that out. Um, those are all the questions I have uh, specifically for you, but um, everyone knows that I do have one final question that we ask every guest here. And that is, if you had one piece of advice for our lawyers out there, what would it be? stay in action, get in action and don't stop. That would absolutely, especially for lawyers, I would say just make decisions quick. As you said, be quick start or um, the fact finders. One of the things that Colby that has for fact finders is it's time to abandon the project and empower your team and give them permission to say that to you. We have enough information. We have enough data. It's time to get in action. Yeah. And and I just thought of like a quote, I think it was Thomas Edison. And he, the quote was something like, I haven't failed a hundred times. I've just found a hundred different ways that didn't work. And so, you know, it's making that decision. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. It's not the end of the world. You can go back course, correct and and keep pushing forward. And so all that good stuff, uh, as always, I really appreciate uh, you taking some time to talk with us this week. Uh, thank you everyone for continuing to listen, uh, continue to leave us some reviews on Apple podcasts, uh, rate and review on Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, wherever you're watching the show. Uh, and that's going to do it for this week. Molly, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. 
to learn more, go to spotlightbranding.com slash center stage.